Now, pests, as we all know, are an issue on farms. And I think usually when people think about pests, they think about insects. They think about, you know, other diseases and weeds. Um, They think about, you know, mice and rats. And sometimes people forget about the pests that show up by air, in the air. The flying pests, birds, problem birds. You know, a lot of people like birds. There's a lot of nice birds out there that people like to watch. But there are some birds that are not so nice and have some very negative impacts on farming. Here in our community, welcome to the Farming Show. Uh, Good Saturday morning to you. I'm Dylan Honkoop. Uh, Gavin Willis with Whatcom Family Farmers is here with us as well as Matt Stevens. He is with USDA. He's actually the Assistant District Supervisor and Wildlife Biologist with USDA Wildlife Services for the Western District. Um, Matt, you guys, one of the pests in the air that you guys deal with, and it's, it's a particular problem, has been for a long time here locally for us, is starlings. Um, for people who don't know starlings, they're what? Those little little black, uh, dark-colored birds. Um, yeah. And they can cause a lot of heartache and trouble for farms, especially when you add up the impact. So explain first, why do we trap these things? You, you, you oversee a program that involves actually controlling their populations and trapping them. Yes, yes, that's right. So, um, you know, first off, just a little background about starlings. Uh, they're, they're non-native to the United States. Um, back at the turn of the century, the, the folks that owned the property that is now Central Park, New York, they decided they were, they were from Europe and they wanted to have all of the birds ever mentioned in Shakespearean literature uh, in the park. And so they did us the great service of importing European starlings. Uh, they brought over some pigeons. Their pigeons are non-native mm. and so are the uh, English sparrow all of which are very detrimental here in the U.S. So, yeah. All um, of which yeah. I like to keep out of my barns. Um, <laughs> yeah. And the, the, you just listed the birds I'm most frustrated with usually. And, and if only we could go back in time and tell those people, please don't bring yeah, those right. birds over here. And, you know, it's from an era where people weren't really aware of all the balance of, you know, native species and habitats and predators and all that kind of stuff. Um, but now, like we're talking about, there are a problem. What is the problem specifically for people who aren't familiar with the damage that these things can do? And why, why do we need to be trapping them? Sure. Yeah. So, um, up in uh, Whatcom County and, and in Skagit County, uh, and all the way into Snohomish County, what uh, we have been helping farmers, uh, dairy farmers and berry farmers for, wow, I guess now it's 20, 25 years. Um, essentially, the, the, you know, the reason why we trap is just how much damage they create to these crops and to, and to dairy farms by consuming livestock feed. Um, you know, obviously when you're, they're directly eating berries, it's taking, you know, money right out of the farmer's pocket. And the same thing when, when they come in to eat the feed at, at uh, dairy farms. So, yeah. you know, there's uh, also a, a disease threat uh, that they present. Um, starlings are known to carry up to, I don't know, 24, 25 different, different kinds of diseases, uh, including salmonella, E. coli, um, tryptococcosis, hyptoplasmosis, and that is a particularly bad one, Uh, essentially spores 
are stored uh, in the feces of these birds. And so when, you know, when you have thousands of birds together, there's a lot of poop. And mm -hmm. when that dries up, uh, and then, you know, someone will walk over it, a tractor drives over, it turns to dust. And then when that's inhaled by other animals or mm -hmm. and humans and livestock, it, it creates a, um, a, 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 it's a fungus that creates a respiratory problem and, you know, can turn to pneumonia and things like that. So, Yikes. um, yeah, yeah. These birds are highly adaptable. Um, as you kind of alluded to, they displace native birds, um, so uh, I, I, every bird conservancy group, including like the Audubon Society, uh, all promote the eradication of starlings, which will never happen. But we're, we're at least trying to do our part for these farmers. So you trap them to help control the population. I know since this program started, you know, it's interesting. I've been wanting to talk about this program on, on this show for a long time. I've never, you know, had the connection with the right person to do it. Now I have the expert on with us. Um, <laughs> and, and by the way, I do have Gavin Willis here with Whatcom Family Farmers um, who can, he's helping administer how, you know, we can help connect people with this program. So we will be getting to that uh, for how people, more people can, can take part in this, uh, maybe host traps, do things like that to, to help with this, this whole program to eradicate, or at least, uh, you know, I guess full eradication probably isn't the, the uh, realistic goal here, but suppress um, the problems caused by these animals. How do you go about picking where you're going to put the traps? How, how do you know what to do? Yeah. So we, you know, we work pretty closely with the farmers. Um, uh, you know, that's the first thing we do is when we, when we show up, if the farmer signs up for this program, we show up and talk to them and, and uh, ask where they're seeing the most activity on their farm. Um, trap placement is, is pretty important. And so we want to know where they're most active. Uh, we, you know, determine exactly what they're feeding on and where they're spending the most time. Um, and usually, you know, before we ever show up, the farm, the farmers know really yeah. well where those birds are creating problems. Yeah. So just pick, pick the spot they like and, yeah. and then explain what is that process of setting up the trap? How do the traps even work? I mean, yeah, I've, so, I've seen them, but I don't know why they work. The, and, and for people who haven't seen them, explain, you know, what they are and how, how they do what they do. Sure. Yeah. So it, it is a little bit hard to describe without looking at it, but if you could picture, uh, uh, like a six by six feet long by five feet wide and about six feet high, they're essentially they're, they're panels that we, uh, you know, make out of fab, uh, like hardware fabric or chicken wire. Mm -hmm. And on the top of the trap, there's a, a piece of plywood with a slot cut in it. And so when you put uh, bait or feed inside the trap, uh, the birds can only go in the trap through that slot. So they drop in and they can't fly out because their wingspan is too wide to go back out the slot. So essentially it's a, it's one way door for them. Um, and you know, we, and we try to make, there's a certain way that we set them up. So, um, we can have the most success. Uh, we have to have level ground. You know, we factor in things like uh, where they might be protected from weather because the important part of these traps is, is leaving. Once you get some of the birds in the trap, you leave some of them all the time because they help decoy in their buddies, you mm. know. 
Um, they don't scare so their own buddies off, huh? They do the opposite. <laughs> yeah, that's exactly right. Birds aren't very smart, or at least starlings yeah. aren't, I guess. <laughs> no, no, I guess not. They talk about how smart crows are, right? But I don't think... I, yes, very smart. <laughs> and starlings, not so much. <laughs> that's probably advantageous considering they're a population we're trying to control. Again, we are talking right now with Matt Stevens. He's with USDA. Um, he's a wildlife biologist and the assistant district supervisor with the USDA's uh, Western District Wildlife Services in Washington and Alaska, um, talking about this program here locally to deal with the problem that is starlings, the little um, well, honestly, I have always, you know, because I grew up around farming and didn't like them, didn't like the mess that they create, the waste that they create. Uh, and I was just trained by my dairy farmer grandparents from a young age that these birds are, are not a good thing. Uh, I've always kind of called them like rats with wings. So I, I don't know if that <laughs> that's a that's an appropriate thing to call them. But essentially, I mean, that's kind of what it sounded like. They're, they aren't a rodent um by the uh you know biology of it but but they basically are a similar kind of pest and all these problems i didn't even know about the 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 disease and and recognize i guess that's something for people to be aware of don't create dust like if you're sweeping up a pile of bird poop and I guess for most homeowners or whatnot, they usually don't have those big collections of it. But, you know, I have a few bar old barns, you know, cleaning sure. that stuff up. If there's some dust off of it, I don't want to be breathing that in. I think about that if I'm sweeping up, you know, mouse or, or <laughs> rat poop from uh, from something. You think, oh, I don't want to get hantavirus or something. But, you know, there's other things to be worried about apparently out there, too. Yep, absolutely. And when you're talking about hundreds of birds and or even thousands of birds yeah. that might be coming into these barns and roosting um or, or or feeding you know that's a that's a lot of feces they're leaving behind yeah well i want to i want to bring gavin willis a colleague of mine here at watkin family farmers into the conversation um along with you matt to talk about you know your guys's work to coordinate with farmers to make this happen um, what does that all require? How, how does, how does a farmer get involved? Part of it is, is administered through Watkin Family Farmers, right, Gavin? Yeah, that's right. So we kind of inherited this program working with USDA from another organization. Um, and, and for us, it's just an opportunity to provide more services to our local farms. And I think it's a little easier for us here in Whatcom County to make those connections with the local farmers rather yeah. than, um, having them, reach directly out to a larger agency. Um, I think for, for some farmers, it's a little bit easier to reach out to someone who's just down the road from you that you maybe know personally, and then we can kind of coordinate the connection from there. And then, yeah, obviously there's, there's a lot of time and effort that goes into making this program happen, having wildlife specialists out there that are manning the traps that are putting the bait in there and are removing the birds. And so there needs to be some funds to cover that, to right. make that possible. Um, and so we're administering that as well. And um, historically the, the program has been funded by on a voluntary basis by the farmers who participated. They have mm. a trap on their, on their farm, whether it's by the, the dairy barn or it's out near the blueberry fields or whatever that might look like. Um, they're seeing a benefit and there's, the benefit of removing those starlings has a financial benefit for them. Yeah. And so it's, it's funded by donations. So kind of on a voluntary basis by the farmers who are 
participating. Um, if it's done right, I would imagine the ROI is pretty good because it, yeah, it's significant. Yeah. I mean, and the more farms that we get participating too, um, in this, the more birds that we can trap and also the, the, the easier it is for them to fund that because it's a smaller percentage of the total cost that's coming out of pocket for each farmer that's participating. Gavin Willis uh, with Watkin Family Farmers with us here on the program talking about this. Uh, Matt Stevens with the USDA on the phone as well talking about this starling trapping program. The problem that is starlings for, well, you know, our big our big uh, farming uh, commodities, if you want to call them that, even though they aren't really commodities, dairy and berry, both of those are significantly negatively impacted by these pest, non-native, invasive species birds, starlings. So dealing with them is an important thing. Um, so folks would reach out to you, Gavin, and then how does that work? What what do you do with them? And then I would imagine you pass them off to some to Matt or, or someone on his team? Yeah, absolutely. So they can reach out uh, directly to me. They can send me an email, gwillis, W-I-L-L-I-S, at whatcomfamilyfarmers.org. We also have a contact us link on our website at whatcomfamilyfarmers.org. So they can reach out that way as well. Um, and then what we can do from there is look and say, hey, is there already a trap? Maybe their neighbor already has one up and they're going to receive some benefits from there. Um, or maybe they're in a region that doesn't have good coverage of traps. And then uh, I can reach out to Matt or to the local wildlife specialist and we can arrange a time for them to go out and, and visit the farm and talk to the farmer or the landowner. And like Matt was saying earlier, kind of identify um, whether or not that's a good location for a yeah. trap and, and identify if this can be successful. And if so, then there's a benefit that can be provided to, to that landowner and to the farming community at large and other people in their area. Yeah, Matt, what, what does it look like once once Gavin passes someone on to you guys? How do you take it from there to, to actually make it happen? Yeah, so we've got a, a local specialist uh, who lives in Whatcom County and grew up there and kind of he knows a lot of people anyway. Um, but essentially what uh, what we do, I'll get the call or an email or something from Gavin and uh, I'll send our guy out and, and he will assess the site, uh, speak to the farmer, uh, choose a location to to set the trap and we will pre-bait the trap, uh, which means we we fill it with, you know, usually we use cracked corn, but in years past uh, we've used French fries and potato chips and really just about anything they'll eat. And once they start coming, we leave the door open. And when the traps, uh, when the birds come to the trap, that we, we let them freely go in and out mm. uh, and then they get used to that. And then one day we go and close it and they go in and they're not coming out. And uh, so, and if there's a farm that's, you know, got a significant issue, we'll put multiple traps out. Mm. Uh, you know, uh, maybe we had one at the neighbor and it wasn't producing or trapping, but, but right next door, they've got piles of birds. We'll just move that trap right over. So just get them going. And then how, I mean, how long does that go for once, once you start a, a trap location? Yeah. So um, really there are a couple of factors there. Uh, first is, you know, we'll get out, we'll get out and start setting traps here shortly. Uh, even if there's not a lot of uh, bird activity, at least we'll have them in place yeah. um, and we'll monitor those farms. Uh, and then, you know, we'll leave those out essentially until the nesting season um, and, and even after 
after that, which is typically into the mid to late summer. And um, uh, when activity starts to cease or we, or we trap, you know, the majority of those birds out, we'll just start looking for new areas and move traps around if need be. But we've gone as long as uh, into September. Um, but typically that's about, that's about, by the end of August, we're pretty much done. The, uh, a lot of those berry crops are, are starting to, uh, you know, the birds aren't in those crops anymore. Yeah. The, the farmers are seeing, the dairy farmers are seeing a significant reduction. And so, um, you know, the weather's starting to turn bad and birds are starting to move away from those farms a little bit. That's when we'll start pulling yeah. our traps out. Where, where do they go, by the way? Where, where do those birds spend the whole winter? Yeah, it's funny. Um, you know, in Whatcom County, a lot of these birds are going out to, we've kind of figured out a lot of them are going to the refineries where mm. they have big heated stacks where at night they right. can go in and roost and stay warm. Um, in fact, we're working with uh, several of the refineries at right now to try to see if we can, you know, put a dent in them over there as well. Yeah. Yeah. And that makes sense. Cause that cannot be a good thing for, for their operations no. and what they're wanting to do there. No. And, and again, this is, it may look like just a cute little bird chirping in the sky, but if when your business is deeply impacted by it and it's a mess that you have to clean up and it's a risk to your health and your animal's health. Um, yeah. People don't think so fondly of the, of these birds. Um, now from what I understand, again, uh, it's uh, Matt Stevens with us right now with you, USDA. Um, he's the assistant uh, district supervisor with their USDA Western District Wildlife Services. Uh, talk about um, making sure that these are successful too, because I understand there's some things that, that you got to make sure you, you do and you don't do to make sure that the traps actually get the job done. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, uh, you know, like I alluded to before, when we show up to a farm and we're and we're talking to the to the landowner, uh, we understand how busy things get around farms, and so we want to make sure that when we're placing those traps, they're not going to be inconvenient for the farm operation because. What ends up happening, you know, maybe we we put it somewhere where they're driving quite a bit or, um, you know, the farmer will pick it up and move it. And uh, sometimes the trap gets damaged um, and uh, and or it's, you know, the farmers aren't necessarily as discerning as we are when it comes to trap placement. So right. when they pick it up and move it. It may not have been in the greatest place. And then right. we're kind of having to start over again as far as uh, uh, baiting and all of that. So, right. Um, um, uh, you know, and other times, uh, farmers, you know, they have the best intentions and, and, uh, they'll, they'll put some of their, maybe some old food feeds, food or, uh, uh, cattle or dairy cow feed yep. that is they'll, they'll dump some of that in there thinking that, okay, the birds are eating that. Well, you know, that doesn't necessarily help with mm. sometimes that actually scares them off because they're used to one food source. Right. Um, you know, that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, there's, there's quite a few factors, uh, you know, another thing that, you know, that we didn't think about for a, quite some time is, you know, around these farms, there's a lot of barn cats mm -hmm. and when the cats get up on these traps and sit, sit on top of the traps, cause there <laughs> might be a couple birds and, yep. you know, the rest of the flock isn't going to be real excited about going down to where the cats are. Yeah, know? exactly. So, yeah. And then rats, rats are a problem because, you know, if you're losing your bait every night because right. rats are consuming all your bait, it makes it very difficult to service that, that particular farm because, you know, we may have up to, you know, 50 plus uh, traps out in the county and you know, we can't cover all those in one day. So, uh, you know, our, our specialist will do maybe half of those 
uh, spend eight or ten hours in one day doing servicing half of those traps and then do the next half the following day and if there's no bait and no birds in the trap it's not going to be successful so um you know that and what do you do i mean yeah well you have to use like a a finer finer mesh hardware cloth or something um so that those animals can't get in there or something i I don't know what what else you can do they just dig right under they just dig right under the side of the trap or they'll just climb and they'll drop through the slots that i was telling you about on the plywood and they'll just climb right out so we we put a trail camera on one one time to see how and you know at one particular trap there was 40 or 50 rats that were coming in there and in a matter of a couple hours they consumed 20 pounds of crack corn unbelievable nasty well i guess and we've talked about the starlings now now we need to get some some exterminator to talk about the mice and rats (laughs) that we brought that (laughs) or take some of those cats from next door yeah tell them to get to work don't feed them so much they need to be hungry so they're going after the mice and the rats right that's Uh, exactly right matt stevens assistant district supervisor and wildlife biologist with USDA Wildlife Services of the Western District here on the program with us. Thanks for what you do, Matt. And then Gavin Willis also here with Watkin Family Farmers. You're the best point of contact, Gavin, for people to reach out to you if they want to get involved with this. Yeah, absolutely. So if you're a farmer in Whatcom County and you're seeing impacts or large populations of starlings, for sure you can reach out to me via email. It's G Willis at WatcomFamilyFarmers.org, W-I-L-L-I-S. Uh, or we have a contact us uh, page on our website as well, WatcomFamilyFarmers.org. So just send a message with some contact info and uh, we can reach out and get that process started because it's uh, just about that time right now yeah. to start setting traps. For sure. Gentlemen, thank you so much for your time this morning filling us in on how this works. You bet. You bet, Dylan.